0: That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village, and today's episode is one of those where I was like, gosh, I need this at my fingertips at all times, because have you ever like been in one of those scenarios where your kid says something and all of a sudden you're like, oh, yikes, how am I supposed to respond to this? Right? Like, oh, we're in public and they just said this thing that now I'm feeling really embarrassed or I just truly had no roadmap or how are we already here for this tough conversation? I love that we have a resource to turn to for this Dr. Robin Silverman wrote How to Talk to Kids About Anything. And it's full of scripts and guidance for how to do just that, how to have tough conversations with kids. And when you pre-order Dr. Robin's book and Tiny Humans Big Emotions, you get access to a live workshop with us and QA session where we get to chat about how to have tough conversations with kids. What does it look like to both provide those scripts and jumping off points and navigate those conversations and do so in an emotionally supportive way? I'm so jazzed to be able to team up with Robin for this because our work goes hand in hand with one another. What does it look like to support this from an emotional intelligence perspective? And then what do you actually say in the moment How do you navigate those tough things that might be triggering for you? Maybe talking to kids about death or talking to them about sex or talking to them about so many of those topics that might feel uncomfortable or just surprise us. Head on over and snag how to talk to kids about anything, and while you're at it, pop tiny humans' big emotions into your cart. Once you have both, let us know, and we will send you the link for our free workshop on how to have tough conversations with kids. All right, folks, let's dive in. Hey there, I'm Alyssa Blass Campbell. I'm a mom with a master's degree in early childhood education and co-creator of the collaborative emotion processing method. I'm here to walk alongside you through the messy, vulnerable parts of being humans, raising other humans with deep thoughts and actionable tips. Let's dive in together. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Voices of Your Village. Today, I get to hang out with a pal, which is always a good time. I get to hang out with Dr. Robin Silverman. She is a child and teen development specialist, and she has a new book coming out on the same day as Tiny and Big Emotions. We get to be book twins. You get to snag how to talk to kids about anything, and we get to dive into it today. Hi, Robin.
1: Hello. It's so nice to see you again. We had such a good event. I'm so excited that we get to do another thing together.
0: I know. Hanging out is rad. Let's do more of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's. <laughs> I uh, in, in that event that she's talking about, you heard in the intro but you can snag the recording with your your ticket in is just the pre-order of our books and showing that receipt. And then we have an incredible recording of our event to share with you all those details are in the intro so you can snag it hello 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 Robin hello 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 (laughs) (laughs) I uh, what I love so much about your book is we've talked about this it's like a it's a great compliment to my book and that like our book really doesn't provide a lot of like scripts and like here's what to say or here's what to do in the moment and uh I feel like you, I keep saying to people like, buy both of our books and like pair those together because I Mm -hmm. feel like you really bring that here. Like that's what's happening here. How to talk to kids about anything requires the scripts of like, okay, but how do we talk to kids about this? (laughs) Um, What, what got you so interested in providing those scripts? Ooh,
1: well, I'm a parent too. I used to think I knew how to talk to kids like perfectly before I had kids. Like, wow, genius. But as it turns out, when your emotions are really high, I don't know if you can. Can't relate. Can't relate. (laughs) We don't talk about emotions here. Um, When emotions are really high and you have your own kids and you're like so invested, it's hard to come up with what to say. And. I started to think like, if I was having trouble with this, then a lot of other people were probably having trouble with this. And I had this conversation with somebody, a friend, when our kids were really young, we were at the park and we're sitting on this park bench and she's like, oh my gosh, she started asking me about death yesterday. She's like, are you going to die? Am I going to die? And I was like, I'm just going to change the subject. She was like, who ice cream. And it just stopped it like totally. And I've heard that same iteration in so many ways, menstruation, sex, like, I mean, just the list goes on people like, no. So I knew that it was an issue and I wanted to provide what I felt like I needed. And I had this great resource, as you know, cause you were on, have to talk to kids about anything, the podcast, I had been interviewing people started in 2017 so now i've like 6 years of amazing interviews with like top experts like you best selling authors which you're going to be like let's go woo woo um and it's it has so much information i feel like i'm providing the child development pie like the script pie and everybody else provided the deep slices so You know, the first chapter is on talking about big feelings, you know, and our and I've got, you know, a chapter on sex and porn and mistakes and failure and death and dying, like the things that make you squirm and hear the scripts so that you don't have to anymore. So I thought that would be really helpful. It was helpful to me going through it and learning about it. Oh, my gosh. I used my own script so many so times. Say, do you find
0: yourself being like, "I need chapter ten right now"? Oh or, my <laughs> gosh!
1: Like seriously, and I'm not. I'm. I'm not just saying this. Like it was probably a month after I had a. I've been like writing and learning about how to talk to kids about sex. i would interviewed um, a couple of people at that point, and it was like a month after my daughter was like, um, "But how does the baby get in there?" And I was like like oh my gosh I I actually am ready to have this conversation so
0: yes thank you for not asking two months ago
1: I <laughs> I was like <laughs> divert divert no it was it it's really actually quite helpful and through this process of people who've read the book already as advanced readers or people like my editor she's like I used your death chapter like I, I just had this conversation with my kid after reading your book. There's some book, some of the conversations we have can be like front loaded. like we can do it right sure. off the bat. and others come flying in for base without without warning, like my daughter in the back going, uh, when I'm talking about like the leaves dying or like something and she's like wait a second am I gonna die is my little brother gonna die in the backseat of the car on the way to dance class I was like oh okay yeah and <laughs> we're here now
0: <laughs> so, totally <laughs> yeah. totally yeah I, and I think that that I think you bring some bring up such a good point that like we I can go into this feeling like okay I'm gonna, I'm gonna nail this. I'm gonna be able to do this. And then you get into it, and it catches you off guard, right? Like especially the ones you can't front load, Mm -hmm. especially the ones that all of a sudden, yeah, they're like in the backseat asking you a question. And I think, at least for me, I think we're like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll get to like that in a little bit. We're just not there yet. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, we're there, and I didn't know we were there. Mm -hmm. And then we, you know, slow moonwalk out of the conversation and really try to like not have the conversation because it's uncomfortable for us, especially if we grew up in households where no one had that conversation Mm. with us. You're Mm -hmm. trying to do something that's never been modeled for Mm. you.
1: Yeah.
0: And we know anytime we're breaking a cycle in any capacity, it's helpful to have a resource, a jumping off point of, Okay, what do we say? Because I know mm-hmm. a lot of like what I don't want to say based off of what was told to me or what I've experienced. But what do I say or do in this moment? I think that's that's huge. What do you think those like biggest challenges that get in the way of having those tough conversations are?
1: Mm. Well, I think you hit one of those things. like if you' weren't given the model, <clears throat> you don't know what to say. You've never been in that situation. and and there really isn't a book that says here's what to say it's it's not part of what's provided a lot of the time um and and there's arguments of like oh well all the conversations are going to be like a little bit different yeah they're going to be a little bit different but they're also going to be the same you know like how babies are made that's going to be this is the conversation that you're having or what happens when somebody dies yes you may have a spiritual interpretation but the science here's you know So there's going to be some similarities and yes, you need that jumping off point. I think people don't have these conversations because it's freaking awkward. Uh, A lot of them are really awkward and talking to your kid about death or sex or failure. It's, it can be really uncomfortable. I've had people like ask me, my, my grandmother is dying of cancer. And now I have to talk to my kid, like my young kid about this. And I don't know where to start because it's sad. And I don't want to talk about death with my kid. And I get that, you know, so it's awkward. People don't know what to say. Um, a lot of people think, and I think you kind of alluded to this, like, they feel like they have more time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, um, I don't need to talk about this yet. In fact, I was ta- I was writing the chapter about sex and porn, and I ran into a friend of mine outside of a, a yoga studio that we both were at at the time. And she was asking me, like, What's, what are you doing? And I was telling her the chapter I was working on. She's like, well, thank goodness I don't have to have that conversation yet her kid was almost 13 and and i get it who the heck wants to have this conversation but here's the reality and and this hold on to your hats people because this may like come as like a shock but the studies are telling us that by age 11 the majority like over 90% of kids have seen porn like they actually have like yes. it may have been an accident Um, it certainly was in my house that that happened. Like, and I, and I asked my kids like point blank. Wasn't your
0: Friday movie night?
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Whoops. It, I mean, in this case, like my kid was like, I, I, I was Googling something and then something popped up and I was like, you know, and I was like, okay, here's what to do in this situation or here, you know, and some very similar things have happened to other kids that I know. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things where we think we have more time, but we don't. And then the kid in the back seat is like saying, Oh, wait, wait, you were saying my, my little brother's going to die and you need to respond to that. Um, a lot of people think they're not the right person. They're like, I, I'm not like actually cut out for that <laughs> or their dad will do it or their grandmother will do it or their sure. teacher will do it or their coach will do it. Like, Oh, there should be learning about that in school, or um, you know, failure and mistakes. Like, didn't your coach talk to you about that? So they think they're the wrong person when honestly, you are the absolute perfect person to be talking to your kids about all kinds of topics that are tough because you know your child best and you know what their sensitivities are, you know your values, you are the greatest person to talk to your kid. And here's one of the biggest mistakes and reasons why people don't talk about this stuff is they actually think by not talking about it that they are are going to prevent it from happening mm. so if i don't talk about sex my kid will not have it and i'm i won't be inadvertently giving permission to my child to have it which is actually completely and blatantly wrong because the studies repeatedly show that when we do talk to kids about tough topics, whether it's suicide or anxiety or sex and porn, they are much less likely to engage in risky behavior. So I'll just put that one to rest, but I can see why we have that fear. Like, ooh, if I say it, if I'm talking about it- light
0: on it. Oh my
1: gosh, all of a sudden they're gonna, they already know. They already know about this. And if you don't talk to them about it, guess who's going to talk to them about it? That boy in the back of the bus who knows nothing about what's going on. Or the internet. Or the internet, who has no idea who your child is and doesn't care.
0: Yeah. And you have then no idea what information they've just taken in about this thing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Visit BetterHelp.com slash Voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Voices.
2: Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wannabe Clutter-Free, It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.
0: I, the other day, was thinking of your book because I was scrolling on Instagram, as one does, and came across like a food nutrition account that I follow that had a post and it was like how to talk to kids about like certain types of food like sugary foods or something like mm-hmm. that but it was broken down by different ages mm-hmm. and so it was like what does it look like to talk about this with a toddler preschooler like mm-hmm. elementary and then like kind mm-hmm. of beyond like and so that was one thing I was thinking about with your book like what does it look like when we're having these earlier conversations and kind of like younger child development versus that 13 year old that you're engaging with, or as they get older, kind of how does, can you give me an example, I guess, of how a conversation might change over time Mm -hmm. and why we have to kind of hit on these topics, not a one-stop shop. Like we have. I'd say your people are
1: so lucky. They're so Mm -hmm. lucky to have you. Hmm. and that they're starting so early, like kudos to your people for realizing that they need to talk about these things and help their kid to be emotionally intelligent so early on. You are so ahead of the game, like all these people who are listening right they're now. They're pretty incredible. Are, oh my gosh. You're so lucky because you're not going to be the person with a 13 year old child and going, oh, should I be talking about this? I really didn't think I was going to need to talk about this. So you're right. Like, you got to start early. And and when you're talking about, obviously, you know, like, you do big feelings all the time that you're, you're going to start really early on by giving them the language so that they can talk about it later. When you're talking about sex, people are like, what do you mean I'm talking about sex with my kid? Like, so early. Or- Early on, you're talking to your kid about their body parts, you know, and you're naming them in a way that doesn't provide any shame. You know, you're going to say, you know, knees and elbows and vulvas and penises, like without any issue. And I'll tell you when I first started doing this, I I was really uncomfortable saying saying those words. Now 100%. I'm not. So I just want you to know, like you get better at it. Like for those people who are like holding their breath. <laughs> I was like, I remember when I did my first interview on how to talk to kids about sex. Uh, it was it was like in 2017. And I remember like the person I was interviewing said clitoris. I was like, I'm gonna die. I right need a now. minute. I need a minute. I need like, <laughs> I was like, thank God this isn't videoed. Cause I was like practically hiding under my desk. So I just want you to know, like, even as like a child development specialist, it's like I can't and like you're picturing your daughter. Or your son, and you're like, I'm going to say these words to my young, this little. Yes, you are okay because you want your child to know what they need to know early on. But yet, you don't start at the end. You're starting at the beginning. So I'll give you an example. Like we mentioned, death, and had I had I talked about it earlier, you know, that much earlier, I didn't realize my child was already processing things. She was probably three. Okay. She was probably three, which is a pretty normal age should be like asking some starting to ask some questions, but like, you know, where's my little brother going to die in the back seat was like, Oh, it t- took me aback. Um, and so I'll just say like, maybe I needed to front load this a little better. And if your child hasn't really talked about this, like, yay, look at this. All right. You can start right now. So you want to start, if you can front load with, you know, the bug on the sidewalk. That's what it was for us. The, it was a fly right? that
0: my husband snapped with a towel and it led yeah. to 7 billion conversations.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and great. Like you're so lucky that you were able to have that for people who are like, ah, I don't even want to talk about the bug. Like talk about the flower. Okay. Talk about the leaves, you know, you know, the, the you can be, make it as benign as you want to get in. It's like the, the, the springboard to get into the conversation. And you may you may tell them you know that the ver- the sort of scientific thing that's happening that look at this bug, it's no longer moving. You can be very simple about it. It's no longer moving. It's no longer eating. This bug is dead. Now that might seem a very abrupt, and people don't love that word. But with young children, you really want to use the name of the thing because it it makes it so things are not confusing. Sometimes people will say things like it went to sleep or the dog went to the farm. Let's avoid that at all costs. All those euphemisms cause so much confusion for fusion for kids and in fact can actually complicate sleeping because now they're afraid to go to sleep or if you say it got you know it's it's sick, you know, it's got sick and died. The same language you might say of "you're sick and you're staying home." That's scary. We want (laughs) to, we want to change. We want to use the correct language. um, If something had a a disease, a fatal disease, versus having the sniffles at home. So make sure of that with your young children. As kids are getting older, they're going to start asking some questions, and the questions might feel kind of uncomfortable to you, and you feel like, why are they asking this so? it feels rude almost. Like you're, if your grandmother dies and they start asking like, what happened to the body? Like that's actually a very normal question to ask. And I do talk about this in the book, but it's normal to ask some of these questions because that's the way their brains work, right? In that age group, as you're coming out of this preschool toddler age, They're going into elementary school. They're very concrete and they want to know like, what's happening? Like, where did it go? Where did she, where did she go? Now, this is both scientific and it's the time that you can put in your religious values, like anything you want, your spiritual values and ask them, what do you think happens? Like, what's your thought? Because that's a great conversation to have. And if you do this, here's the prize when your teens are starting to process more about death because they really will and they get very existential they'll talk to you about it and they might ask like why are we here why does this happen you know what why would the why would such a good person die so early and you don't need to know the answers you don't need to know the answers you just have to be like a good listener and Allow your child to use you as a springboard so that they can process it and you can provide like your thoughts, but ask like, well, what do you think about this? And that's laying the groundwork for a lifelong time of of conversations and uh, connection between the two of you.
0: I don't know about you, but when I scroll through Instagram or I'm tuning into podcasts and diving into parenting resources, resources for myself as a teacher, I can feel overwhelmed. Like, where do I start? I need a guide for what this looks like in practice. And I don't want something that's one size fits all because every child is different, right? And like, if you have multiple children, you're a teacher, you know that it's not one size fits all. Or if you have seen what works for your sister-in-law or your best friend or your neighbor, and you're like, oh my gosh, my child does not respond to that. That is how I felt. And then we created the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. It is a guide for building emotional intelligence. And y'all, There are five components of the set method. One is about how to respond to the kids and what it looks like to have adult-child interactions. The other four are about us. Because I don't know about you, but I did not grow up getting these tools. I did not grow up with them. I didn't grow up in this household where I was taught tools for self-awareness and self-regulation and how to do emotion processing work. And now, as a parent and as a teacher, I'm supposed to teach those skills to a tiny human? But we can't teach what we don't know. And so my first book, Tiny Humans, Big Emotions, is here to support you. You can head to wwwseedandsoorg book and snag Tiny Humans, Big Emotions today. This is a game changer. It's going to build these skills with you, for you, so that you can do this work alongside building these skills for your tiny humans so that they can grow up with a skill set for self awareness, for regulation, for empathy, for social skills, for intrinsic motivation. A skill set of emotional intelligence so that they can navigate all the things that come their way in life. Snag tiny humans, big emotions, slash book Yeah, I think it's uh, creating that foundation of trust, right? That they know okay, this is something that I can ask my parent or my caregiver, whomever I can ask them this and they aren't they they can handle it, right? That they can handle this big stuff and if they can't ask you where do they go with that? Because that question still remains, right? Like they're not Mm going to stop having the question. It's like feelings. They're not going to stop having a hard feeling just because you can't handle it. They're going to still have it. And then it's, do they have a place to turn with that question or does it get bottled up? And what does it get
1: bottled up or put on the wrong person?
0: Yeah. Or turn to the internet for an answer or whatever. And then I love that acknowledgement of like, It reminds me of having, um, we have an episode with uh, Jess Leahy, Jessica Leahy. Love her. Love. And I was talking about her latest book, The Addiction Inoculation, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how when we're looking at this, she was like, yeah, you don't have like a 16-year-old who says, can I go to this party? And that's the first time you've ever laid the foundation for this conversation. It's that these foundations are happening when they learn, can I turn to you to ask you something that might feel scary for you or that you might feel disappointed about? And what's your reaction going to be? Can I trust you?
1: Yeah. Are you going to freak out when I tell you I failed this test? Yeah. Or are you going to front load that with you know talking about failure and what we learn from it and remember that time we talked about when you played soccer you know when you were 5 years old and you missed the goal and you were so upset with yourself you have a history of evidence that have built up over time so that your child feels like he can talk to you and i tell you that as i have teenagers now and yeah, there's some things that they're going to be more secretive about because that's sure. the nature of being a teenager. But I think when push comes to shove, my children both know that they can say what's on their mind and tell us what's going on, and I'm not going to shy away from any topic. If I hear and you can use, you know, so many things, but if you, if you hear something, if there's something that happened in the news, something that happened in your community, you want to use that as a springboard, that's awesome. You know, that's the time to be able to like go, hey, I was listening to this podcast and the person that was being interviewed said that the majority of kids have seen porn by the age of 11. You're 12 years old. So have you? And and being able to be brave enough to have that conversation and know that the answer is probably yes, uh, because they're a majority. And you want your kid to be like, yeah, you know, I didn't mean to, but, and they know that they're not going to get in trouble. Yeah, They have been hiding it for this long because they felt something that they feel ashamed. Did they feel worried. Were they afraid you were going to get mad and then show them that you again and again can be that person. Show them the evidence.
0: Yeah. And that foundation has already been laid right? Like we're mm-hmm. laying that now and it's never too early or too late to start that. Um, So, you know, maybe you haven't been laying that foundation. You've been, I, the very first time that Sage, my little guy had like a little baby boner. I was like, ah, 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 mm-hmm. just like, but yeah, there's like yeah. very much the wrong reaction. It was one of those, like, <laughs> I caught totally remember guide. this too. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. Um, and <laughs> I like came, I went to my husband. and was like, this just happened. And uh, I guess we have to be prepared for this now. And now, you know, he's two and it's his favorite body part and yeah, stop touching oh. it and whatever. Yep. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like it, yep. but I had to be like, I need to arm myself with some tools here because I didn't grow up. I grew up in a Catholic household. I'm one of five mm-hmm. kids. There were a, there were very few hard conversations that ever happened. It was and like, no talks no, about
1: baby boners? Oh,
0: <laughs> or boners at all. Um, boners like at all. If boners off, just, the, off the table. No, yeah. But then <laughs> when I experienced sexual assault as a teenager, I knew I couldn't go to my parents. Mm-hmm. Right? They're incredible humans. And it's they definitely moved the needle farther than they had when mm-hmm. they were growing up and all that. Mm-hmm. And they weren't a safe space for hard conversations. And Mm -hmm. I knew that just like instinctually, right. There wasn't a part of me that was like, okay, can I go to them? Like, no, it just, I knew it with every fiber of my being that they weren't a, an emotionally safe place for me to turn with that information. And so I had no one to turn to. Right. And like that for me, when I look at, at books like yours and like resources like yours, I'm looking at we're laying this foundation for the future and when we're having these hard conversations what we're really doing is saying you can trust me and i'm mm. going to be in this
1: with you i think it's so important to highlight what you're saying here because this is the this is sort of the aftermath like first of all i'm so sorry you experienced mm. that and you did not deserve that and there's nothing that you did to make that happen thanks so if you think about just this moment, being able to turn to your parents and hear those words would have been game changer, a game changer. Mm-hmm. And I just want your listeners, your community to really hear this that any time that you start to question, am I the right person to do this is this the right time to do this like i don't know what i'm doing like am i going to mess up i want you to remember this moment because you do not need to be perfect you don't need to have all the answers you just need to be present and and tune into what your child is saying and if in this case your child does come to you and say this is what happened you know somebody somebody touched me inappropriately somebody pushed me down whatever it was and that that happened i was assaulted that your they might have to you know that parent might say these those words that i just said but they also might say i don't know the next step right now but let's figure this out together i'm going to call so and so because they will know the answer and you be the bridge you be the bridge from your child to the right person. You may not be the right person, but this happened to Aunt Jenny. Let me call her and, and 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 make sure you have somebody. You can talk to me about it, but I, would it be helpful for you to talk to Aunt Jenny? This happened to her at the same age. So you can be the bridge. You don't always have to be this age. Yeah,
0: this age. Um, it's my little guy's name, Sage. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, I, I love that. And like, honestly, just having a place to land with stuff. Sometimes somebody solving the problem isn't what you need even it's just a place to talk about it. And Mm -hmm. that's what you're doing here is you've created a resource where we can, we can just talk. And Mm. I'm wondering, you know, as you're putting this together, what does it look like on the triggers part of this, right? Like you mentioned, uh, it can feel mm. really abrupt or almost rude when they're like, What happened to the body? or whatever. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. We're going to feel triggered in these hard conversations. And so, what does that process look like in order mm. to show up for your kid?
1: Mm. I mean, you are on it.
3: Hey there. I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
0: If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always
2: thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.
1: My child was talking to me about these girls in fifth grade. Oh, fifth grade. (laughs) Fifth grade. Uh, These girls, they were, I mean, they ostracized her. They made her feel inferior. They, you know, were horrible. Was like socially aggressive and she was not perfect either. Sure. The same thing happened to me. I could not have been more triggered. If you ask me right now, what were the toughest times in your life? My toughest times were my miscarriages and fifth grade. Those were my toughest times, like on par, like pretty much on par with each other in terms of how tough they were. So hearing about this made my whole body like go rigid. You know, I if you want to just like punch somebody in the face. You're so frustrated and you can't believe that this is happening. So, I mean, first we actually have to deal with our own feelings, right? So, damn it. <laughs> I mean, damn it, right? I mean, you're so good at this, but yeah, we gotta we gotta we gotta take some breaths in and get some. Air. I actually say the word air. Mm. air because i'm i'm just commanding myself because my kids are teenagers now right so i need air all the time
0: (laughs) breathing also as a two-year-old i need air all the time they're
1: actually apparently (laughs) supposed to be so similar like somebody said (laughs) there's just like a lot of commonalities between toddlers and teens so (laughs) it's strangely true so you 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 do need to regulate yourself because it's almost impossible to help your child when you're not able to regulate yourself. And it's okay to take a few minutes too. You know like I'm hearing what you're saying and what you're going through is really important to me and I just need a couple of minutes too to think to take in what you're saying and and also just so you're aware like I I am kind of triggered by this like and because I've dealt with this, but this is not about me. So I need to shift myself to make sure like I'm thinking about you and not putting on my experience. So just give me a few minutes to do that. It's okay to be able to, you know, to save those kinds of things so that you can be more present with your child. If you're having a lot of trouble, you should certainly should be talking to somebody about it, whether it's your therapist or your best friend or whomever, because, um, you don't want to be talking about this kind of thing with your child in a way that isn't helpful, you know, yeah, or that you about like, where
0: they become responsible
1: for your that's regulation. Right. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like now they need to take care of you because they've, they've triggered you. So we're not looking for, for that. It's okay to, you know, Hey, this happened to me before, let me just get myself together. And you're like, okay, like I can now use what happened to me to, to be empathetic. And but I'm going to, you know, make this completely about you and what you're saying here. Um, and then really check in with yourself. You know, is this am I hearing what my child is saying, or is my mind telling me something else based on what I've been through? Because that's actually noise. It's not actually helpful to you. So checking in and just feel like, okay, I'm I'm fully present, I'm hearing what you're saying. Sometimes that's it's best to kind of be able to paraphrase what your child is saying. So what you're telling me is that this is what happened. And I actually I did this video on Instagram. I sometimes do these ones where I'm like talking in the car to my child, but I obviously nobody's there. But I'm I'm talking about what I've talked about with my child as if they're there. And and I'm modeling the conversation. And there was one on like toxic friendships and and just saying things like okay, so what you're telling me is this is what happened. And, and then being able to ask powerful questions, powerful questions are short questions that just get to the point, you know, tell, you know, how did you feel about that? You know, what happened next? So that you're getting the, the information. And again, you don't need to know all of the answers, you know, When it comes to, especially like things like bullying or, you know, aggression, social aggression, I like to start in a place of, you know, what is a friend? Here's your, you know, here's your pre-conversation. Okay. Your pre-talks, I call them. What is a friend? And what are some characteristics of a friend? So when I'm presenting on this, I'll ask this to the audience and people come up with all kinds of things and it's going to be different for everybody. If you have those pre-talks and somebody said, your child is like, I really think a friend should be loyal and fun and and kind, then you have some legs to stand on here. So it sounds like your friend wasn't being kind. They weren't being loyal. And those, as I remember, are two of your top qualities in a friend. Is that correct? Yes is this happening once or over time? Like, does this happen just one time or does this keep happening? Uh, It's happening all the time. Like it's happening every day. It's been happening. Is it happening for a week or has it been happening over time? You know the answer to this. You already know this person's not, hasn't been awesome to your child probably in this case. And then, so then is this person really a friend according to your definition? So pre-talks can help you in that situation and remain less triggered because you're you have specific powerful questions to ask your you've already had some conversations if you haven't again having a pause is going to be your best bet when it comes to triggering conversations so that you can breathe maybe talk it out for a couple of minutes Um, just taking even a moment can really do wonders yeah because in the moment I'm like oh,
0: I want to go talk to that person. <laughs> like, oh.
1: Give me that fifth grader, right? Like that's what comes yes. up for me
0: immediately is that like defense yes. mode, the protective defense. mode. And of course, who doesn't? Yeah, totally. And I yeah. think one of the things that I personally find so helpful, just last night, this my best friend and I were texting and um, she said, do you want a problem solver? Do you need to vent? And Love like it. that right out the gate, I was like, I just need to vent she's like, yep. great. And then her responses are catered toward me venting, right? She's showing up, she's being a listening ear. Yep. That sucks. Blah, blah, blah. You know, yes. like versus like, okay, the, um, I wonder what was going on for that person and what they may be mm-hmm. feeling. Like. I wonder if they were feeling left out and they're trying, and you're to like, no. To yeah. I'm like, they don't talk horrible. about them. <laughs> right. I'm not Yeah, I don't want to talk yet. about
1: them right now. Right. Yeah. But so if I think being able to ask separate that, you know, yes. like
0: if we're in so the important. venting space, we're not problem solving. We're not empathy or perspective taking yet. Like we are expressing, we're allowing those feelings of expression. And I think, especially as kids get older, this becomes more pertinent of really helping them even build awareness of what stage are we in?
1: Yeah. Often we can ask like, similarly, do you want my advice or do you just want me to listen? So, phrase it in a way that feels natural for you. Totally. And that way, your child can say, I just want you to listen. Because I'll tell you if you're providing advice at a time when your child just wants you to listen, that advice will not be heard. (laughs) No. Also then they'll be like, I'm not coming to you next time
0: because what that didn't feel right for me. Right. Like yeah. it, I have people in my life who every time I go to them, they're like trying to solve the problem. And so now I know if I'm in a venting space, I'm not going to them because they're going to try to solve the problem. And I'm not in a space to solve the problem. I'm in a venting space. And so if, that's what I'm looking for. If what I'm looking for is a spaced event, they're not my person to go to. And so when you can, when you can be both of those, when you can say like, all right, where are we? Then your kid knows like they can come to you and just express where you don't try to make it better.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think it's hard to be the listener in those instances because we're really good at problem solving. And it can feel annoying to hear the same kind of vent session over and mm. over and over. And yes. I think it's important to be able to, to say like, yeah, you can keep coming to me and feeling frustrated about this. Mm-hmm. And when you're ready, we can talk about what else you can do or et cetera. But for now, like I'm just here, I'm here to listen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. It's so
1: it's, hard and do. it's, it's hard as a, as a parent, to not be like we've already been through this, like Correct. we've already, yeah, we've already worked this. Out. Stop hanging out with her. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I've already gone through this. I've already said this. Sometimes kids need to hear things multiple times in not order even to kids. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> to take action. No kidding. And <laughs> uh, you know, in all of that is really important. And um, friendship is a is a chapter that I do, and and it. <laughs> It has a lot of sensitivities to yeah. it. You know, we've we've all had experiences with friends where you know we had to learn some very hard lessons, and because we are, you know, people always ask me like, "What's going on with kids today?" There's a lot of disconnection happening. When there's disconnection, you know, the kids can fall into themselves and they can act out. So what we're looking for is just a time where we can connect, and when we're the kids are going into school and feeling disconnected because like my daughter had just told me like, Oh, this person was just dropped from her friend group. And I saw that she was crying in the bathroom that happens, you know, throughout like a friend rejects us or as a young child, they didn't get to sit next to this person or it happens in all different ways. And so you will see it throughout the lifetime. You may have had that conversation at age three or four and then you need to have it again at age eight and at 12 and at 14. And it may be a little bit different, but it may be a little bit the same.
0: Yeah. And at 25, when their I was college just say, friends I aren't still I've there. I think I've had this conversation yeah. <laughs> totally. so with my friend. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> totally. uh, I'm,
1: no kidding. Ever yes. evolving.
0: Ever evolving. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or like then you're, if you choose
1: to become a parent and you're like, how do I meet? other parent. What does this look like? What is this? And what if they see what a mess I am? hundred percent. Nobody wants to. I was like, actually, I really like that in a person. (laughs) Give me your mess. Give me the mess. Because if you are thinking I need perfection, like you got the wrong girl. Correct. Correct. Oh, Robin, I'm so excited
0: for folks to snag your forthcoming book here out October 10th, How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Y'all go snag it wherever books are sold. Robin, thank you for joining me. Where can people find you, follow you, learn
1: more about you? Thank you so much. This has been such a joy, so much fun. Uh, Anybody can find me at drrobinsilverman.com. That's Robin with a Y and Silverman, just as it sounds. So drrobinsilverman.com. And yes, I'm on social media um, Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman Twitter under Dr. Robin, uh, and Facebook under Dr. Robin Silverman. And I'm also been trying my hands at, at, uh, all these other, you know, TikTok and everything else. And, uh, we'll see how that goes, but I know you <laughs> and I are going to be connecting probably the most on Instagram these days. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so, so much.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at S E W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans.